We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hi, I'm Chris. So good to see you all. It's good to hang out, to gather together, to worship together. It's really good just to praise God this morning. And um, today, if you're here for the first time, can I extend my welcome to you? Um, And equally, if you're here for the millionth, it's great. You know, thanks for coming back. It's always good, isn't it, to gather together. And um, today, as Catherine said, we're finishing our series in our Summer of Stories. This is the last one. And uh, so if you're here for the first time and you haven't heard any of the others, that's absolutely fine. In fact, you've come to the best week. Not because I'm preaching, but because I'm going to be able to share a bit about, from today's talk, what's coming up ahead for for us uh, over this next term. So you'll get a bit of a story from the Bible and you get a bit of why this is important for us as a church. So you get a bit of a flavour today at what kind of is at the heartbeat of Hope Church, why we exist, what we're passionate about. And so it's a good good morning to be at where you can find out more about, about us. Um, we've got Bibles. Alex and Camille, can you hand out some Bibles? Uh, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So you, if you've got a Bible, turn to it now. If you didn't bring one along, with you that's fine no problem we've got bibles that we can lend to you if you stick your hand up in the air one will arrive to you in your seat momentarily and um, it might be that your hand is up because you just don't own a bible and if that's the case you can keep this one it will bless you you can have it as a free gift all you need to do is just put your name in the front and take it home read it it will bless you and do you much good so Before we step into 2 Samuel chapter 9, which you'll find pretty much in the middle of your Bible, um, I'll let you look. Let me give you just a bit of uh, context about the passage we're going to read. And that is that um, back, back in the day, when a king would rule a nation, right? And if they had sons, their son would then take on the rulership of that nation. And every now and again, um, either through invasion or through other circumstances, that king would be displaced and a new king would rise up and become the new king. And what they would do, the custom at this time would be that that new king and his army would go and wipe out everyone in the previous king's family. So that would be really important to do because later on, um, the old family might grow, gather an army, and then try to reclaim the throne later on and dethrone the new king. So there was a time in Israel, in Israel's history, Israel is the name for the people of God, that, and these people were ruled by a man called King Saul. A guy called Samuel came along, appointed King Saul, and King Saul started off loving God and following him, but soon that faded away. And he had a son called Jonathan who would be heir to the throne. But Jonathan had a really good friend called David. And David, you know, the, the guy David who killed Goliath. And David, he, he loved God. He worshipped God. He was a man after God's own heart. And um, Samuel came along and uh, he appointed David to be the rightful 
heir to the throne, the rightful next king. And Jonathan could see that. Jonathan could see God's anointing. He he knew that he was the right person to take on the throne. And so although he was heir to the throne, although he was a Saul's son, actually he spent time protecting David from Saul who was trying to, to kill him. And... Um, there is a Jonathan. He he does end up having a son, a son called Mephibosheth. And after he has a son called Mephibosheth, when Mephibosheth is about five years old, Saul is in battle, and Jonathan's joining in the battle, and many of the family are in battle with him too. And on that one day, they all die. Saul dies. That's Mephibosheth's granddad. Jonathan dies. That's Mephibosheth's son. In fact, all of the family die, all except this one boy called Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth, he wasn't at the battle. He was only five years old. In fact, he was being looked after by a nurse. And um, because of we know about the history, the nurse, when the nurse heard the news that all of the family had died, she then felt, right, I need to protect this young boy because the new king is going to be after him to cut him off so that he doesn't rise up later on. So in 2 Samuel chapter 4, it tells us that the nurse picked up this young boy, Mephibosheth, and she ran and she tripped over. And as she tripped, Mephibosheth fell and he, uh, he fell really quite badly. And what happened in that fall was that both his legs uh, were broken and broken so badly that he was never able to use them again. He was lame in both feet. So on that one day, he lost his dad, he lost his granddad, he lost all his family, and he lost the ability to walk. Five chapters go by and we don't hear any mention of Mephibosheth until we get to this uh, chapter of the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 9. David has now become king. He's, uh, uh, Mephibosheth has grown up. He's managed to stay away and not been found as a descendant of the king. Uh, he's living elsewhere in a place called Lodabar. And that's where we're going to pick up the story of 2 Samuel chapter 9. And what we'll do is I'll read a bit uh, and then talk a bit, read a bit, talk a bit to the end of the chapter. And then I'm going to pull out three key things for us today. Okay, so 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So just pause right there. Straight away, we see that David is a different kind of king. I mean, everyone would have been expecting him to try to find any leftover heirs. That's a normal question to ask. But the strange thing here is that he's wanting to show kindness to them. Uh, for whose sake? Well, he says Jonathan's sake. Remember, that's Jonathan, his, his friend, uh, Mephibosheth's dad, who uh, he had, had helped him and looked after him, had a good friendship. Verse 2 says, Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And so they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to David, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service, he replied. And the king asked, Is there no one still left alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked. And Ziba answered, he's at the house of Mekir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. So let's pause there. So we've got Mephibosheth. 
who's lame in both feet, and he's living at Makir's house in Lodabar. And Lodabar means barren wasteland or place without pasture. It's where outsiders live. It's a destitute place. It's lacking in every way. Mephibosheth would have, you know, he's, he's likely to have no work because of the type of work that he could do. You know, it's difficult, isn't it, to work in that day if you haven't got use of your legs. And uh, this is the type of, this kind of, this place of Lodabar, it, it gives us the connotations that it's a, this is kind of deprived place. Um, he's, someone's obviously taken pity on him. He's living in someone else's house. This guy, Makir, son of Amiel, he's living with. In this place, Lodabar, we, we have no uh, written words to tell us that he's married or got any children. He's likely to have no means of support to himself, no job. He really is in a place without pasture. And we remember on that one day, all his family died. His dad died. His granddad died. And he was five, so it's probably hard for him to remember uh, all of it, but I'm sure he does remember the feeling of walking. And then that awful day happens when his whole life changed. Dad's dead, and he has a terrible fall, and is permanently crippled. Not only is he permanently crippled, but and not only has he lost all his family, he's immediately also lost his inheritance, his future earnings, his future income, his position in society, his stature in line to the throne, all gone. And he's been hiding away ever since. And to be fair, he's probably thinking, well, you know, at least I'm alive. Or maybe he's not thinking that. Maybe he's wondering, God, why didn't I die on the same day as everyone else? I mean, this is just rubbish. And now, Zeba comes to his household and summons him and says, hey, the king wants to see you. I imagine what he must be thinking in that moment. Oh my goodness, I didn't die then, but now I've been found. I've been caught. This is the end. And so it goes on, verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to him. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he replied, at your service. And David, probably recognising all that he might be feeling, says, it's okay, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you, remember Jonathan being his like best mate that protected him. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. I mean, this is unbelievable grace. This is unbelievable mercy. This is unbelievable kindness. This guy that had lost everything, who's living out of the sticks, who's got no pasture, who's got no inheritance, no means to climb out of his own pit, no rights, no defence, nothing, not even a leg to stand on. Ba-dum-bum. No, that's all right. Nothing. He's now invited to eat at the king's table forever. And I want to put it to you that this is how God treats us. This is how God thinks of me and you. Because like Mephibosheth, we come from ancestors who have turned our backs on God. Adam and Eve, they turned their back on God. They went their own way. And every single person ever since has done exactly the same. The result of that curse was sin that came into the world. And so ever since, humanity has been far from God, spiritually barren, like in a wasteland, unable to atone for their own sin.
come and show us kindness and grace. And he was physically crippled. And do you know what? We're spiritually crippled. It would have been easy for him to find all sorts of excuses to pity himself, to not work, to not join in, to keep away from God, to keep away from others, to keep away from David and the family. And do you know what? It's easy for us to do the same. We can see injustice in our lives and in the lives around us, and, uh, and they can become excuses for us to pity ourselves, to stay away from, from God and to stay away from his people, to, to not trust him even, to just step back. And Mephibosheth as a descendant of the previous kingdom, he deserved the death penalty. And the Bible said, it says the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us deserves separation from God. But what he didn't do is come and before David and say, yeah, it's about time you called me into your presence. It's about time you laid on the banquet table. It's about time that I came in. No, because he was humble. He recognised that Actually, he brings nothing to the table. He has nothing. And we need to recognise the same. We need to be humble. Come before God and say, hey, I'm so grateful that you would show me kindness and mercy and strength. And you can tell that he recognised this because in the very next verse, Mephibosheth's response is, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? It's not, I've been out in a ditch, you've forgotten all about me. It's not this pity party. It's not, I deserve this. It's not, oh, it's about time. It's humility. Now, hearing the amazing news, this invitation, invitation to eat at the table, it's not proud and arrogance. It's like, yeah, no, I suppose I should be here in your presence. No. It's not even, oh, that's okay, I'm good. I'm all right by myself. It's like, Wow. How would you notice a dead dog like me? Mephibosheth realises who he is before the king. He doesn't stand there trying to defend his own actions or his lifestyle. But in the awe and wonder of this king, he confesses, who am am I that you would show me favour? He knows he has no right to any of this grace or mercy that David is showing him. And our attitude before God should be the same. We have no right to demand anything from God. Before we came to know him, we are spiritually dead dogs like Mephibosheth. Dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions. Yet God, who's rich in love and mercy and grace and kindness, chooses to show his immeasurable riches to us by bringing us into his household, by similarly inviting us to eat at his table, to have communion, his bread and wine, to to be joined into the family. And instead of instilling an air of fear and dread into Mephibosheth, David tells him, don't be afraid. And God does the same for us. He doesn't like rain with an iron fist and a rod, but he draws us in with open arms and invites us into his kingdom. Brothers, sisters in Christ together. David doesn't just save Mephibosheth from a barren wasteland, though. He doesn't just save him from a sentence of death. He brings him into his household. He restores all that used to belong to him. All that he was once lost, he now restores and replenishes and replaces. He gives him a full inheritance. He gives him land. And not only that... Mephibosheth doesn't even have to work at the land. He can sit at the king's table and he is, so he is seated prominently with the ruling king all the days of his life. 
The Bible tells us that when Jesus dies on the cross and rose again, he ascends to the Father and he makes a way for every single person who puts their trust in Jesus to be seated with him, to be accepted into his household, to be included in his family, to be given a full inheritance to, that he would provide, not for every you want, not for your every want, but for your every need. Just like Mephibosheth, we get to sit at the communion table. It's a celebration table where we eat and drink and celebrate all that Jesus accomplished on the cross when he broke the curse of sin and shame that is over our lives and he brings us into his family. Just as David delivered and rescued Mephibosheth from a pit of shame and destitution and gave him a place of honour and dignity, satisfying all his needs and blessing him with inheritance, Jesus does the same for all who love him and put his trust, their trust in him. He takes away your shame. He clothes you with honour. He restores your soul. He satisfies you. And you can know identity and value and significance in him. You can know life and life to the full. And that's not even it. There's more. Because in verse 12, it goes on and says, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah and all the members of Zeba's household were servants of Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table he was lame in both feet so not only did he receive all of that but and instead of spending the rest of his life residing in Lodabar this barren wasteland with no pasture he now lives in Jerusalem which means city of peace amazing when we come and put our trust in our heavenly father we get to enjoy his peace and his joy resting on our lives and our souls his soul is restored he's given a helper this helper is called Zeba we have a helper called the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us and testifies us to God's goodness and encourages us and equips us and fills us and, and you know, tell, reminds us that God is with us. He's never going to let us down or never going to leave us. He's brought into amazing relationships. Having not had family, he, did you spot Mephibosheth's now got a son? which means he's got a wife, which means he's brought into, he's, got, he's been given more, he's given this family, he's now he's given this wife to look after and a son to care for. He's given a legacy. He's given a name to carry on down the line. It's incredible, all that he's given. It's not just that he was separated from, or spared from death, but he's now brought in and given so much. It's so easy, I, sometimes I call it airport Christianity, for people to think that Christianity is all about kind of escaping the, the flames of the fire. Oh, it's just about forgiveness from God. It's like, that is like someone going, you know, going for a two-week holiday, and they turn up at the airport, and they stand around the airport, and they see the planes fly and fly out, and they look at the magazines of all the amazing destinations that all these planes are going, but they hang around in the airport for two weeks, and then they go home. Now, they might, have, they might know about the places that these planes go to. They might even have seen them in pictures. They've seen the planes take off. But all they've done is just arrive at the airport. They've not experienced it for themselves. 
You know, it's so easy sometimes for Christians to, to come to church and to know that God has forgiven them, but to live the rest of their week actually still living in that sin and that shame and, and just not knowing. Actually, there's so many destinations to explore in Christ. Destinations of restoration. Destinations of healing. Destinations of, like, spiritual growth. Destinations of just forgiveness destination of grace and mercy and comfort and exploring new things and stepping out into the unknown so much more to crochet than just being forgiven by God although we are forgiven and that's amazing news and in the same way Mephibosheth he's given so much he's restored in so many different ways and all of this really comes down to he's given an identity even though those very last words are he was lame in both feet that's the, the, end, the end words is he's lame in both feet. Although that, that is an aspect. And that never goes away. He's still given amazing grace, amazing love, amazing mercy. So I just want to capture those in three things, in three ways. This is a picture of God's grace. And all Mephibosheth had to do was just come and receive it. That was it. Can earn it. He couldn't demand it. He didn't deserve it. It was unmerited, unearned, free gift of grace. And all he needs to do is receive. And if you don't know Jesus, then you need to know that he is not a vengeful God looking to destroy your life. Instead, he is looking to bring you into a relationship with him, to fill you with his life, to seat you at his table, to help you to be the person that he's called you to be, to clothe you with honour, to take away your shame. He's come to rescue and to save you. And if that is you, then in a few moments, I want to give you a moment to pray. It might be that you want to pray and invite God into your life for the first time. Or maybe you've just walked away from God a bit. Maybe you felt like you've been living in a barren wasteland. Maybe like Mephibosheth, you did know all that it meant to be in the king's kind of family, but you've just been in a place without pasture. You can put your trust back in Jesus again. Come back and know the Holy Spirit is helper filling you and being with you. I'm going to give you a moment to pray for that in a minute. It's, this isn't a prayer for perfect people, but for imperfect people who put their trust in a perfect God. It's for people that know that perhaps they're far off from God, but through Jesus can be brought near and placed in his household. The second R, so you receive. I want to encourage us all to receive. And some of you know you've already received and you can, work, you can joy in that and worship. Some of you maybe you just need to receive again this morning. Second thing is restore. It might be that you're a Christian, but you're not walking in the fullness of all that it means to be saved by grace. Maybe you've been distant from the helper, the Holy Spirit, and needs to be filled afresh with him. Maybe you've gone back into your kind of, I don't know, pity party. Maybe you were hoping that the rescue would be new legs. And you're sad that God hasn't shown you his grace to you in the physical way that you desired. Mephibosheth, he was lame in both feet the rest of his life. But he was still radically transformed. You know, David couldn't, or not couldn't, but didn't come through to him by changing that situation. But he came through in all sorts of other ways. And I believe also God does the same. Sometimes we want God. We, we say, God, if you are real, break through in this way. And sometimes he shows us his grace in other ways. 
And it might be that you've grown distant from God because you're waiting for him to show his love to you in one way. And I just want to encourage you, hey, look at all the other ways that God's shown you his grace, his love, his mercy. It doesn't mean we, don't, we stop praying for that. But it just it's sometimes that's the thing that can hold us back from intimacy with God. And I just want to encourage you to draw you in, to be restored to him. So maybe today, coming back to God for you is just basking in his spirit. It's been filled with his spirit. It's just telling him you love him again. Coming back to him. Maybe you need to let go of past hurts. Maybe you need to let go of past pains. Maybe you need to stop saying to yourself, why did this happen to me? Why did that happen? Instead, you need to walk in closely in relationship with God and say, God, even though that happened, I'm choosing to trust you and walk with you and live for you. So for some people, it's to receive God. For some others, it's to be restored. And then the third R is like relationship, relate. So just as Mephibosheth was brought into a relationship with the king and with others, including a wife and children, we're called to build a relationship with King Jesus and with each other and with our community. We're all called to reflect God's love that he has shown us into our world. There are many people across our city who are living in a barren wasteland, who are living in a place without pasture. Perhaps for you, this is an encouragement again, like for the church day out or for, I don't know, a social event or for whatever it might be to invite people into your gathering, into your presence, into your sphere, to chat, to hang out, to show kindness and love, to bring them into, the, into relationships. You know, it was David's right to cut Mephibosheth off. David could have kept his table closed just to his royal officials and his family. He could have kept his closed group, but instead he opened up his doors. He sent for Mephibosheth, invited Mephibosheth in. You know, God accepts David and in turn, David accepts Mephibosheth. We're called to accept and invite the community around us. And when they come and we invite them in, we accept them. And in doing so, they just might believe that God will accept them too. And that God would love them too. And God will treat them the same way. That's why we do it. It's why we do things like the away days. It's why we do quiz nights. It's why we do Christmas carols. We invite. It's why we have life groups and we do socials. And we, we just open up our homes to invite people in. Because we want to show them that just as we accept them, God accepts them too. And he loves them. And he's for them. So we're called to... Receive God's love, to be restored in him, full of his Holy Spirit, and to grow into relationships, to relate to each other, to relate to God, and to relate to our community. Um, So I've got more to say, but I feel like this is a good moment just to pause and pray. Is that okay? Um, So... If you're someone here today, you've just been listening to the story about Mephibosheth, and you're like, yeah, I want to step into the doors of God's household. I want to put my trust in him. I'm willing to accept his invitation, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. It's like ABC. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin, and I want to commit my life to Jesus. This is like a prayer 
to say, God, I'm coming back to you. And this is for anyone who's, either you feel like you need to make a significant recommitment or for the first time, you just want to put your trust in him. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everyone to shut their eyes and then so that I know who I'm praying for and praying with, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. So we're going to do that now. So why don't we all shut our eyes? And if that's you, why don't you put your hand up now? Thank you. Anyone else? You're saying, I want to make a significant commitment to God. Lord, I'm coming back to you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. I'm just going to stay in this place. I'm just going to pray. I want to encourage you to pray in your heart with me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned, that I've messed up, and that I've been far for you. Lord, I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin, that he has made a way that I would be invited into his household, clothed with his righteousness, blessed with grace and abundance and mercy and kindness. Lord, I receive that as my identity today, as a son, a daughter of God. And Lord, I commit the rest of my life to following him, to trusting to him, to be obedient to him. Holy Spirit, I pray, come and fill me now and help me to follow you all these days, all my days. Amen. Amen. And if... um, the second thing I want to pray for then is that if you um, feel like you want to just, you just need to know the Holy Spirit's strengthening power in your life to be a good witness to others, to, to know the Spirit's power in your life, to maybe to be filled with his Holy Spirit, to know his gifts again in your life, to to be restored, to be refreshed, to be renewed and all the things that God would have for you to, to kind of have strength again to grow relationships with God, to grow relationships with his church, to grow relationships with each other and with the community, then I want to pray for you too. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you with his, his power and his strength. And um, so for this one, we'll do the same again. Um, in fact, I want to ask you to be even braver. If you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit for all those things, I want to encourage you to stand up now and I want to reach out my hand and pray for you. I'm just going to pray around the room. And if you're, if you're sitting why don't you, and you pray, you believe in God, why don't you reach out a hand as well to these people and ask God to fill them. Heavenly Father, I'm standing too, so you can pray for me too. Father, I just want to pray right now. Holy Spirit, would you sweep into this room? Would you fill us, Lord God, again with your Spirit? Would you help us to know that you are good, that you're for us, that you're never going to leave us or forsake us? And I pray now, Holy Spirit, would you fill us with your gifts? Fill us with your presence. Fill us with the knowledge of our Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord God, would you restore in us all that might have been lost? I pray, Lord God, would you restore in us? I pray, would you give us dreams and 
passions and visions. I pray, would you give us gifts for evangelism? I pray, Lord God, that for all, for all of us, Lord, would you fill us with your spirit to, to step out into our, the relationships that we know with others and help us to shine your light into these areas, into our world, into our workplaces, our universities, our community groups, into our clubs that we might belong to. I pray, Lord God, would you do that for us and that each of us would know a restoring and a refreshing of your spirit, that we'd know your power in our lives. I pray, Lord God, that you would fill us, Lord, powerfully with your spirit, that we would know your mighty hands and works in us and through us, we pray. In your heavenly name, amen. 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 Okay, yeah, you can take a seat. Um, so it's a little bit bitty going back and forth. We're going to worship again in a second. Um, before we do, I said that this morning, out of this story, there is something of a passion and a heart, burning desire, I think, for us as a church about all that it means to encourage people to receive God. Encourage people to be restored in relationships, into community, and to, to re- renewed in the Lord, and also to encourage people to build relationships. And so, lots of what we do ha- uh, have the aim to meet those kind of needs, those passions. And so, um, coming up for us, for example, there's all sorts of great things that will help us to receive from God and to know him more and to grow in him. And so lots of the, the kind of ongoing stuff that we do, like our life groups, our sixth form groups, our student groups, our youth groups, our kids groups, that's all about restoring and receiving and growing in him and learning from him. But we've also got, uh, on the 13th of November, a worship morning. We're going to do a worship morning. We're going to hear, we're going to learn about worship and the, all the different words for worship in the Bible and what it means to, to grow in worship and to know God in that. Terry Virgo, who was the guy that founded New Frontiers, of which we belong, and subsequently you know, part of commission as well, he is coming to our church on the 16th of October, and he's going to come and he's going to preach, and I want to encourage you to come and be here for that morning. So it's going to be an excellent morning to just come and hear from Terry, and, um, yeah, and we'll tell you more about him uh, in the future too. We're going to, on the 25th of September, we're going to have a vision evening, but that's going to start a week of prayer and fasting. And so during that week, we're going to pray, we're going to fast, well, you, you, and you can choose how much fasting you do, um, whether it's food or something else, and we'll talk more about fasting and what that means, but we're going to, we want to just take a time to commit this term to the Lord and to each other by taking the time to just spend a week praying, seeking him and, uh, and remembering that everything we have comes from him. We'll have Christmas carols happening in the future and one key thing that we're doing this term to help people know what it means to know Jesus is we're running the Alpha course. Now, this is a course we haven't run for many years now because of the pandemic and other situations, circumstances. And so it's going to start in October, the first week of October, run for basically two, eight weeks, um, apart from in half term. And so October and November, essentially. And for this, this is the first time we've run this course for like two or three years. And so for this time round, feel free to invite your friends. We're not going to stop you from doing that. Um, you're welcome to do that. But I guess the main focus will be 
I want to encourage everyone who calls Hope Church their home to come onto the Alpha course, even if you can only come to a couple of sessions, but to come onto it. Because what I want you to do is I want you to have a clear picture in your mind of what it is, what it looks like, how does it feel, what's it like, so that when you get to invite your friends onto it, you know what you're inviting them to. And for those who don't know, Alpha... The Alpha Course is a great way to explore the claims of Christianity, where we sit on small tables, we watch a video about a different topic of Christianity, and then we get a chance to discuss it and share our ideas and our views on that. It's a really safe space to come to and just to get to know one another, to grow in relationship with other people, and to um, explore faith and explore Christianity and that's starting yeah first with of October so we've got about a month to kind of gear up to it and it might be that you want to help out on it and we'd love to have your help table leaders um, people that are happy to facilitate a discussion people that are happy to help set up or pack down there'll be a nice meal as well so that's alpha that's a key one for alpha so that's one part we can receive God We can know what it means to receive in all these different ways I mentioned, including Alpha. And then the second part is to grow, build relationships. At the start of this year, we heard from a guy called Dub from Welcome Church in Woking about what it means to love people towards Jesus. And he talked about how it's really important for churches to have just kind of low bar events because you build relationships with your friends. I do it. I've got friends I play football with all the time. And inviting them to church on a Sunday is quite a big step to take. It's a very different environment. It never would have been in it before. And uh, Dub shared about how it would be like you being invited to a mosque. And it's quite, you you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what to wear. You don't know what to do. It's, It's a big ask. So, as a church, what we want to do is we want to encourage everyone in our church to just do low, low bar events, low step events, something that's easy to invite your friends to, where they can just start to grow relationships so they can see that, because they, they'll know, oh, you're a really nice person, you're really good. What they might not connect is that the reason why you are gracious and kind and loving is because you love God. But when they then meet other people that are like you, they're also, oh, they're gracious, kind and loving, and, and oh, and there's another one that's gracious. What's, what is the common denominator? Ah, their faith in God. That then uh, leads to curiosity, which then might lead to coming on an alpha course, and so on and so forth. But that's quite a way down the line. So we're going to put on all these little low-bar events. One low-bar event is the day out. Why is it a low-bar event? Because it's just hanging out. It's having fun. It's playing games. It's having a barbecue. It's watching... I'm going to do some rapping on the talent show. Yeah. So you've got a really good chance of winning um, just by turning up. So, um, so we're going to do a low bar event. That's a low bar event. Other low bar events are, would be things like a quiz night. We'll do a quiz night in uh, November. Just a fun event. There'll be a bar, a drinks, a quiz. Easy. Other low bar events. We're going to do a light party for all the kids and the teenagers. So that'll be like the end of October half term on that Saturday night. Other low bar events. We'll have like Christmas carols. They're always low bar. Yeah, there's Christian content, but it's low bar because everyone loves Christmas. Things like Hope Tots that happens every single Monday. It's a low bar event. Hey, you got a baby? Come along to Hope Tots. It's great fun. 
hang out. Or we want to encourage you to do socials in your life groups and, uh, and individually, just to hang out with people. And why not, if you're like, I don't know, doing a social at your house, why not invite one other couple from the church to be part of that so that they, they just start to connect? Oh, you're nice, you're nice. Oh, you know, low bar events. And all of those things I've just mentioned all come out of encouraging us to be received from God, to be restored in, in him, so all those events that we do, and then to grow in relationships. Does that make sense? That's why we're doing it, because we're passionate about being like King David's, that welcome in all in our community into our church, into our relationships, into our homes, and ultimately into God's presence and loving him towards his son Jesus. Is that okay? Come on, let's come and worship again. And uh, as we worship, I just want to invite you to obviously to sing to King Jesus and to think, okay, what's my part to play? How can I get stuck in and involved in any of these? Either by helping out on them or coming along or inviting. Who can I invite? Who, can, who, can, who, who in my street or in my workplace or in my family might come along to play some games and have a barbecue? Who might come along to a quiz night? Who, you know, and start, why don't you start praying for them and naming them before God and saying, God, give me boldness to invite them to this thing or that thing and just to start to intentionally build relationship and grow, and, uh, grow with them. Come on, let's stand. Father God, we thank you for this story in 2 Samuel, buried in 2 Samuel chapter 9 of how King David shows his amazing grace and love and kindness to Mephibosheth. Just as we, as Mephibosheths, have a relationship with you, I pray, would you help us to show the same grace and kindness and love to each other here in this room, but also to those in our community. I thank you, Lord God, how Mephibosheth came and he just received from King David. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. It reminds us that all we're called to do is just step into your presence and we can receive from you. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us a helper in the Holy Spirit that we can know his power in our lives today. Lord, I thank you that whilst, Holy Spirit, we pray to you for breakthrough in all sorts of different areas and we believe it, Lord, we recognise that just because we don't fear it, you're still working. Just because that thing hasn't been renewed yet, you're still working, you're still in power, you're still sovereign, you're still good, actually. And so I pray, Lord God, for all across this room, for any, for any of the ones or twos who might be still waiting for that breakthrough, just as that word came earlier, they might be on the thousandth brick of the building that's being built and just getting stuck. Actually, I pray, Lord God, for faith to come now for boldness, for conviction to come, to know, Lord, that you are here, that you're at work, that you're in power. And Lord, in it all, I pray that each of us would grow in our relationship with you, our relationship with one another, and our relationship with the community. We lift this church to you, Lord God. We lift each other to you. We ask you to have your way amongst us, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.